Hello, this is Canthropod episode 13. Welcome to Data World by Alex Taylor. My name's Alex Taylor. I'm a PhD student with the Division of Social Anthropology at the University of Cambridge. Right now, I'm standing 100 feet underground inside a data centre known as the Bunker. It's called that because it's been retrofitted inside an ex-nuclear bunker that was originally built by the Ministry of Defence as a command and control centre during the Cold War. I'm accompanied by the bunker's head of physical security, Al Webb. We're on our way to one of the many server rooms down here to have a behind-the-scenes look at where the data we produce every day ends up. As you can hear, we have to pass through a number of different types of security door. The data centre is distributed over multiple underground floors which are connected by a confusing network of elevated walkways that you can hear us walking on now. I'm down here because I'm conducting an anthropological study of the data centre industry. I'm interested in the increasingly extreme lengths we are going to to protect and secure data and what this says about the importance of data to our society and its digital future. Data security is often thought of solely in terms of firewalls, encryption, antivirus and malware protection. This so-called cyber side of security has been the subject of extensive media coverage and we're now seeing a lot of digital hygiene campaigns aimed at increasing public awareness of cybercrime and encouraging users to practice safe internet browsing and data storage habits. For all this though, very little has been said about the physical side of data security, the bricks, mortar and concrete of data protection. This is Al's area of expertise. So Al, why do you think the physical dimension of data security is more overlooked than the cyber side? I don't think people are aware, they just see the internet as the internet. But they don't realise that for every digital threat there's a physical version and vice versa. I mean, the majority of internet users shoppers, social mm. media, that kind of thing. So, it, And if the internet breaks, they just want it fixed. But they don't realise everything that goes behind that service. Until you point out along the lines of credit card details. You know, a lot of the time people use a credit card, so it will go through the bunker and be encrypted. Um, so that's when they start thinking, actually, all this stuff needs to be protected. Once built to protect people and military equipment in the event of a nuclear attack, this bunker now protects data. The bunker team acquired the freehold to the facility from the MOD in 1994. As their client base continued to expand, they acquired a second data bunker in Newbury that was once owned by the US Air Force. Both of the bunker's data centres are located underground outside of the high-risk London zones. Al, can you tell us a bit about the bunker's approach to physical security? We operate a three-layer approach to physical security. So outside of the perimeter fence up to a two-kilometre radius, uh, the, the team will patrol, um, speak to the locals, get to know them. It's like a neighbourhood watch. Um, and the neighbours, they're very pro-bunker, so we, we talk to them a lot. Um, obviously people are out there with radios talking to each other so it puts a presence out on the ground uh, with inside of that they've got we've got the second tier which is everything with inside the perimeter fence which again that's patrolled uh, we randomly we don't set patterns CCTV um, staff awareness training exercises telephone calls meet clients audits 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 we have lots of audits here because we have our own audits and we have clients who have to be audited and, and that's another reason why they come here to a nuclear bunker that's underground that, that has all these things in place. And then we've got the tier one, which are the core areas, which are, again, patrolled, cameras, motion detection, all that kind of stuff. The physical protection of the kit, like even down to cables coming in, 
they have to be protected, fibre cables, power cables as well. So you have to you have to take everything into account. We never sit here and say that we're 100% secure because this, the minute you do that is when you're going to get hit. So we're always looking, um, how can we improve? And, and everyone has a voice, so people will chip in. It's important that we all listen to each other. So what is a data centre? And why have one underground in a nuclear bunker? At its most basic, a data centre is a sort of house for IT equipment. They're mostly full of hard drives and servers that contain all sorts of data. The type of data stored in these places depends on the client or company that owns the data centre. These places cost a lot to build and maintain, with many data centres using as much electricity as a small town, so many businesses, companies and even individuals choose to rent space, equipment and bandwidth from a third-party data centre, known as a co-location or colo data centre. While data centres have been around since the microcomputer went viral in the 1980s, the big data centre boom really came during the dot-com bubble. By then, businesses had become dependent on their IT systems and needed fast, reliable and uninterruptible internet connectivity in order to carry out their operations. IT equipment quickly moved out from the cupboard under the stairs and was installed in dedicated large-scale data centres which became permanent fixtures on the industrial landscape. With the mass uptake of cloud computing in the last decade, the data centre industry has seen exponential growth. For those of you unfamiliar with the concept of cloud computing, or the cloud as it is more commonly known, it basically refers to an infrastructural shift from desktop computing, where files and applications were stored on the local hard drives of our computers, to a form of online computing, where these are stored in data centres accessed remotely through the internet. When people attach a file to an email, or say they are uploading a file to the cloud, what they are doing, whether they realise it or not, is transferring that file to a data centre somewhere. And yet we know very little about these buildings. Like most infrastructures, they largely run in the background. We're now walking past a generator room. You can probably hear the noise it's making. We're going down a long corridor. Massive pipes are on either side of us, distributing chilled water throughout the data centre for cooling purposes. Structured cabling is routed overhead. The vague electric hum you can hear is coming from them. The cloud metaphor rhetorically conceals the pipes, cables and wires of the internet and encourages us to think of the net as ethereal and immaterial. Consequently, many of us are unaware of the physical infrastructures, such as the data centres, that power and support the internet. Al, could the fact that so few people are aware of the physical side of the internet be considered a security advantage? I think the people that do know is because they want to know and most people don't care what they require is a service but what they do need to know is the fact that the service that again is is secure physically and digitally there is more awareness needed and that's something that we do here we try to create a culture where all the staff are aware of the um the environment that we that we live in and work and you have to be aware of everything people should should be more aware of what they're letting themselves in for and 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 what can happen. We've arrived at the server room. Al's now opening the door. I'm now standing in one of the many server rooms down here. As you can hear, the noise levels are quite high. It sounds like thousands of insects in an electric jungle. 
but in fact it is a cacophonous mixture of hard drives relentlessly spinning and air conditioners cooling the rows of data servers. The room is full of IT equipment with controls of spaceship-like sophistication. Important-looking lights continuously flicker on and off all around me. These server rooms are where the data is stored. It's in these rooms that the daily micro-actions of millions of people are passed, processed, collected, collated, categorized, sorted and stored. The server lights flash as they frantically file this activity. Depending on which company the data center belongs to, or which clients rent space in the data center, this is where your tweets, your Facebook activity, your Google search history, the YouTube videos you've watched, and all your emails are stored. But it's not just online shopping, socializing, surfing, and streaming that these buildings enable. As our lives become ever more digital, data centers have come to underpin an incredible range of activities and utilities across government, business, and society, and we now rely on them for even the most mundane of daily activities. Our electricity and water accounts are located in data centers. Our mobile phone providers use data center networks for messaging, routing, and billing. Our supermarket loyalty cards track and store our purchases in these buildings and the information on our sat-navs is provided by a data center somewhere. It's therefore important that we begin to pay attention to these infrastructures. We're now leaving the server room and are entering a large, empty space, an unoccupied hosting area, ready to be filled with servers by new clients. There is something almost eerie about the emptiness of this space. It's much darker in this unused area, and huge, encaged pipelines run above us, giving it an industrial, eraserhead-like feel. In the distance, you can kind of hear the faint, ghostly echoes of other people working down here. As more and more businesses turn to the cloud to deliver and support their services, data centers have transformed into the engines of the digital economy, and have quickly become possibly the most important buildings of the digital age. So much now depends on them that securing and protecting these places is a big deal. Everything that we use these days is, is goes through the internet pretty much and it, and it has to be protected. A particularly interesting security feature of the bunker is the electromagnetic pulse protection in the RFI and Tempest shielding on the data floors. This is something that not all data centers offer yet. Could you talk a bit about what these are and why they are important? So the, the, the sun gives off bursts um, called solar flares and that sends nasties out into space and it can take out electronic kit, satellites, things like that, so, which is why we monitor the NASA, NASA page to see what the sun's activity is. Plus there's also electromagnetic pulses that comes from a, a nuclear weapon system. But you, and you, you see it, sort of, it, it can start people flapping on the news, that kind of thing. But the, obviously the bunker's protected. So how does the bunker protect against these threats? Yes, it's the Faraday cage, and so it protects the equipment inside from solar flares, electromagnetic pulses, electronic eavesdropping, uh, Wi-Fi scanning, and anything like that. Some some people they don't care, um, and they don't come here. They just they just want to run a server. But others, the the ones that, you know, they want to know that for, for the very fact that what you just said, it it needs to be down there. It needs to be protected by Faraday caging. It needs to have patrols going out, it, you know, it needs to be bomb-proof, flood-proof, all those things. A lot of paranoia going around. But at the same time, we, we have a lot of people's details, so we, we have to protect it, which is why, you know, we have the standards that we have here. And that's why um, people come to us. 
Another unique aspect of the bunker's security culture is the scenario-based exercises and police training events that occur. I was wondering if you could talk about the aim of these preparedness practices. It's, it's business continuity. In an emergency, you're never given a heads up. So the best way to, to deal with one is, is train for it. We, we never ask what the scenario is. I'll know the initial scenario because I have to have things in place, like health and safety things for exercises. Uh, and, and obviously for security reasons, but then we insist that the instructors, whether it's fire, police, paramedics, military, um, hit us hard and fast, and then we can test our procedures uh, and change them if need be, or you know, add to them, take things away. And other staff members get involved as well, they get to be hostages, um, shot at, blown up, that kind of thing. I mean, some say with a bit of overkill, but it's also, it, it's good training for staff, and it teaches you how to react quickly, which is why we, we have the golden hour approach, where we, we have to smash it within an hour so we can get all the information to the people that know how to fix a problem, get them in, get it done, and keep the whole place running, keep our customers up you know, so they don't drop off the internet and start losing things. And um, sitting around a table talking about it is okay, but you have to put it into physical practice. In recent years, there's been a big boom in data centres being built underground. What do you think are the reasons behind the growing popularity of subterranean data storage? I think a lot of people uh, are looking at our brand and seeing what we do and, and seeing us as people who are leading in that area. They're, they're coming around to realise that actually, you know, um, you could have your kit in, in a data centre that's not protected. And if an explosive device did go off and wiped out a load of servers, that's, that could be, um, you know, power stations, NHS stuff, anything that's national infrastructure taken out and then that starts to cause mayhem up and down the UK. And within all those servers, which, you know, are worth quite a bit, but the information on them is, is the new gold. You need that physical backup and those people who are aware of how that's done, which is why you have to stay physically and digitally on top of everything and keep reviewing it. As you can hear, we've now walked back upstairs and are about to go through the security doors to leave the main data centre area. According to the International Data Corporation, IDC, by now there are roughly 8.6 million data centres in the world. It's difficult to accurately estimate a figure because many of these places are top secret. The continuing worldwide explosion in data center construction has resulted in a sort of backup mania ensuing with thousands of data centers being built just as backups. We now have data centers that are backups of backups of backups all mirroring each other throughout the world. And if we factor in all of the data being bunkered in underground facilities, all this activity starts to look like some kind of cultural paranoia or panic born from the knowledge of our increasing dependence on digital infrastructures, coupled with our growing awareness of the physicality and vulnerability of the digital. This is what my research is investigating, and I would like to thank Al and The Bunker for their assistance with this project.